And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and with a special bonus guest here this week, if you're new to the podcast, as in new in 2022, you will have not gotten the opportunity to uh, hear and listen to, meet via the podcast, my uh, 10-year-old son, Eli, who comes on for the Bearcats, according to Eli, did last year, and and uh, anyway, joining me here and in, in during his summer break, Eli, man, thanks for uh, coming on. Are you, are you going to join me again? Are we going to do this thing again in the fall? Yes, yes, definitely. All right, so we'll do the Bearcats according to Eli again. Yeah. Well, what? Well, well, let's let's catch up with you. What have you been doing this summer? Uh I had a few sleepovers. Um, I played a lot of video games. I slept in and I stay up very late, but I still wake <laughs> up pretty early. Well, I just said I slept in, but I just said I wake up early. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. I don't know. Are you okay? Are you sleep deprived right now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, what about a little baseball? Played a little baseball? Oh, yeah, yeah. I always forget about that. Yeah? Was that fun? Yeah, it was, we lost horribly. But did you have fun? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's the main thing. And made some new friends, right? Yeah. Well, I'm guessing. Kind of. Kind of. I didn't make friends that I'm going to be like, hey, hey, you want to have a sleepover? I made temporarily friends, acquaintances. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, what a what a uh, adult type uh, adult type of answer. Well, so I've got to ask you, on this week's edition of the podcast, I have Greg Teal, who was involved in the very first Bearcat playoff win. Any any idea what position uh, Greg Teal played? Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna take a guess. There's two guesses I want to take. All right. If I'll I'll give you a second guess if you're wrong with the first one. How about three? Just look, let's try the first. What's your first guess? Quarterback. Hey, very good. Oh yeah. We did not rehearse guy. this, by the way. Nor did I tell him even who Greg Teal was before. Uh, yeah. In any idea what year the very first Bearcat uh, playoff game was? Um. So playoff win. Sorry, playoff win. Nineteen twenty-three. <laughs> no. Uh, I I don't think anyone is still alive from the 1923 team. <laughs> Greg Greg Teal, by the way, who I'll be chatting with shortly, was the quarterback of this team. 1996. Oh. Which was only the third playoff game the Bearcats ever played in, and it was their first win. And then it kind of started the uh, well the tradition and and all of the winning and things that we get to uh, we get to witness on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. So are you are you ready to go uh, for this season? Are you ready for some Bearcat football? Yeah. Yeah. I you're gonna have you're gonna have to find a new favorite player though. Yeah, because all the, well, all the, not all the good players. We still have some good. We still players. got a yeah fair amount of good. I'm gonna players. have to see the new, uh, the new people that come on, and I'm gonna have to judge it from that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you you did pretty good with Brody Buck uh, last year, so we'll see. I guess somebody else will be wearing number fifty this season, but yeah, we'll we'll just have to see uh, see how it goes. Well, anything else? Any other big news? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, uh, kind of. Yeah, 
All right, we'll shoot. Well, uh, I'm just going to say three things because one is, uh, I would either say one really long thing, but, uh, okay, uh, three things. Uh, I'll finish it off with the best. Uh, very original for me. No one else made this up. I did. Anyway, uh, let me continue with what I was saying. Uh, the first one is that, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I hope the Bearcats win a lot. Uh, second is, uh, I know that I feel like this se this season we're going to win the playoffs. And the third, uh, thing is something not many people know. I don't care if it's not the season yet, uh, but people... People don't look at the logo, I guess, because no one, no one knows the real colors of the Bearcat. And I, I, I need to tell you guys, it's green. Well, a bit of white, but green. Green's the main color. So if you didn't know, uh, there you go. Now you do. <laughs> now you do. Thursday, September 1st at home against Fort Hayes State at, uh, at, at 7 p.m. night game. It's the first time we've opened the season at home since uh, 2018, so... Are are you going with me? Are you, are you going to go ahead and make your reservation? Yeah. All right, we'll be there, and and I will have you on to do some predictions. Then uh, coming up when the season starts. Okay. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. My chat with Greg Teal next year on Bleeding Green. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Joined now by former Bearcat quarterback Greg Teal. And uh, Greg, man, thanks for uh, coming on and taking a little time to chat some uh, Bearcat football with me. Yeah, Matt, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Well, I mean, we might as well start at the beginning. I mean, you're you're of course a Maryville kid, and so um, you know, as as you're growing up, um, you know what uh, what kind of I mean, did you play all the sports? Um, were you, were you, did you focus mostly on football? Um, what, uh, what were your favorite sports kind of as, as you were, you know, elementary age? Um, well, I, I played, uh, I played a lot of baseball. I would say baseball was probably my favorite sport, um, growing up. And then, you know, starting in, in junior high, uh, playing football and basketball. So I played three sports, uh, baseball, football, and basketball. And, I think my parents would tell you they probably thought that I was going to maybe try to pursue playing baseball in college versus uh, versus football. All right. So so, I mean, the, you know, so football wasn't necessarily your first love originally. When did that kind of develop? When it, was it when you were, you know, in high school and, and starting to think, yeah, maybe I could do this after high school? Yeah, I mean, football is. I mean, it's just so fun to play, right? And and Friday nights, especially, you know, in high school, those are just, those are neat, you know, neat events, neat times to play. Um, but uh, Coach uh, Chuck Litteris came in before my junior year in high school. And um, he's the one that really, uh, well, he turned around the, the program at Maryville High School at that time. And, and 
um, you know, we'd had some losing seasons for a couple of years at, at Maryville High, and Chuck was was hired, and, he, and who hired him was uh, Dr. Red. Um, but I think he really changed the culture and changed the way that that all of us kind of uh, committed to things. Um, and so he's he's one that really uh, probably you know got me interested. Our, our junior year in high school, we were. We we only won one football game, and then my senior year we went nine and two, and in the playoffs. So, kind of a similar, um, similar story in high school uh, that we that I, you know had in, in college at Northwest. But went to a lot of Northwest football games. My parents have always been huge supporters of uh, Northwest. Both of them Northwest grads. But um, you know, I, I went to the first you know playoff game against UNO in the early eighties, it was on Thanksgiving weekend. I remember driving from my grandparents after Thanksgiving and, and going to that game. And, um, we just, we just, you know, followed Northwest, went to different pregame parties from the alumni, uh, association. I remember going to Washburn several times, certainly down to Mobus, um, Pitt, Pitt state to watch, to watch a lot of games growing up. Was, uh, so, so obviously there's there's the connection to Northwest. Um, were you always a quarterback? I mean, was was that, you know, as you're growing up playing, you know, getting into high school, were you always, you know, was that the position you usually played? Yeah, um, always played always played quarterback. Um, probably the first quarterback that um, I remember really, you know, watching and, and kind of admiring was Turner Gill at that at the University of Nebraska again in the early 80s. I was probably a third or fourth grader. I think I was a third grader at the time when Nebraska had that micro year, Turner Gill, you know, it's all about option football in the 80s, right? And uh, just watching uh, watching him, I remember having a Nebraska jersey with the number 12 from from Turner Gill, but yeah, I always uh, always played the quarterback position. Is that what you got? You guys ran the option in high school, right? Yep. So we ran the option in high school. Uh, and that's how I got was recruited to Northwest was um, they were running the wishbone. Coach Elliott, Coach Roos, uh, Doug Roos was the uh, offensive coordinator. And so that's how I was, uh, you know, recruited as an option quarterback to uh, to Northwest um, in 92. Well, as far as the the found games. I mean, do you have any any special memories or, or games that um, that you always think of when you think about the days at, at Maryville High? You know, a lot of times I'm not real I'm not real good at remembering the games. It's more of just the experience with your your teammates and and just the work and commitment that you put in uh, to try to change to try to be winners, right? To be winners to set that foundation of saying this is what it takes to be good. You know, we, but there's a lot of time in the weight rooms in the summer where you're hanging out with your friends. Um, uh, you know, but we had one, one game in particular, I guess, in high school was against Platte County. It was around uh, Halloween, but we had a huge ice storm and it was, it, it was completely freezing. It was kind of like the UNO game uh, in, uh, in 95 or 90, 96 rather. Um, but the field at Maryville high school, after about our first drive, we went and scored six points and then the field basically turned to ice. I mean, it was just hard to move the football at that time. The districts were, you had that three game at the end of the year to see who would win the district and, and Platte County and, 
and uh, and Maryville were the two top teams in the district, and we won six to nothing. And it was uh, that was a cold, cold day. So yeah, that got us into the playoffs. Nice, nice. Well, well, then the the recruiting process. I mean, obviously you've got the ties to Northwest. You're from Maryville. I mean, was that a foregone conclusion? Were there other schools that that according to you, I mean, that you were seriously considering or was it always going to be Northwest? Um, in the summertime, I had uh, a couple of the, um, I had the Air Force Academy and also the uh, Naval Academy uh, that, you know, their coaches ha- had come in. Um, other than that, it was, you know, some of the smaller, uh, you know, D3 type schools that showed an interest. I, um, but I, I would say, I was either probably going to play baseball potentially at Central, um, or um, try to play play football at Northwest. I do remember Missouri Western coming into the school one day, and the guidance counselor and my freshman football coach Mike Thompson coming and saying, "Hey, um, Mo West is here to see you." And I just I said, "Well, just I'm going to politely decline. I'm not I'm not interested in going there." So. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to go to Mo West. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Um, so talk about you know you you decide to go to to go to uh, Northwest. One guy I want to talk about that, and we were talking a little bit before um, before we started recording here was you know a guy that kind of gets forgotten. I think is is Coach Bud Elliott, who uh, of course led Northwest to their second ever playoff appearance in '89. And, uh, you know, who either gets forgotten or I think kind of maybe downplayed. Um, but, you know, he, there's not a lot of people, I guess, that, that talk about Coach Elliott. Went on to do great things at Eastern New Mexico. And, and uh, you know, w- what were your impressions of him? And what are some of your memories of, of playing for, uh, for Coach Elliott? Well, he, he certainly had a lot of good coaches that were on the, the staff. You know, a lot of time, well, all the time, it's, it's who you surround yourself with. And. You know, one one in particular, Doug Roos, was the offensive coordinator, and Doug, you know, has gone on to to work at a lot of different uh, schools, including D- Division One at the as an offensive coordinator. Um, when I came in as a freshman, we ha- they had a really good team. Northwest had a really good team. They had um, a really potent offense. Uh, Joseph Johnson was the quarterback. Um, you had uh, Jason Crone. Uh, in the background with Reggie St. Romain. Um, but they, I mean, I, you can look back, but there was a game against Emporia State that year where um, we may have had like 800 yards of offense. I mean, it was something, it, it, that game at the time had set the record for the amount of total offense that both teams put, put up a lot of, um, a lot of yards, a lot of points. And, and they had, you know, a lot of leaders on that team. Uh, Tony Borcher, Sam Moen, um, Jim, Will- Jim Willis. I mean, these are guys that when I was a freshman that, that, that I looked up to. And I would say that they probably, if you ask them, they probably felt like they could have, uh, they could have probably won a couple more games and had even a better season than what that season kind of looks like on paper right now. Cause it, it was, uh, they had a lot of talent and a lot of um, upperclassmen on that team, but coach Elliott always had really good running backs and, really good quarterbacks uh, from a, from an option standpoint that, that he ran. And I'm talking on the offensive side of the ball because I just, I, I never played on the defensive side. Right. 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 
So then in 93, so you, so you do get to get to play some. You, you split time with, I think, Lawrence Luster is who it was. And, and uh, you know, do you have any special memories or anything for, you know, for that season? I, you know, I assume, you know, not a it's not like today where, you know, you, you get a lot of freshmen um, that come in and play. But uh, even redshirt freshmen, especially at Northwest. But uh, do you have any special memories or anything from from that season? Um, again, just the guys that would have been uh, on the team more than anything. I, quite frankly, I was not ready to play at a Division two college level that by that you know that year. Um, uh, Lawrence Luster, Bunky Luster was the quarterback. Um, I backed him up. He you know had a couple of injuries. Um, it gave me an opportunity at times to to play. Um, but boy, your learning curve goes up pretty quick. You realize how fast the game is, how much bigger, faster, and stronger the guys are. And that game is moving so quick when you're not used to that speed. So I would say, if anything, from that year, it was just starting to become adjusted and understanding how fast the game's played and, and the amount of work that's going to have to go in if, if you're going to want to play at that level. Well, so then, I, oh, go ahead. Central Missouri, well, Bunky got hurt in the Central Missouri game, and Central Missouri was, had a really good defense. The only thing I remember on that one was that that was a rough afternoon. I, I that was a that was a rough day playing quarterback. They they uh, came after me pretty good that day. Well, then of course after that season th- three and eight, and then Coach uh, Coach Elliott gets let go. What was kind of your feeling, especially with you know with with Doug Roos, the offensive coordinator? You kind of had a connection with him as well you know what are what are your thoughts and and you know the rest of the team was it something that everybody kind of expected um was it you know was it oh wow you know you know we were we had a winning record just a season ago what what was kind of the feeling of the team ar- around that time well i think as a you know you're probably what 1920 and you're you're probably thinking more of okay well who's the next person coming in and how do i fit in that system can i play in that system um, you know, cause you kind of just, you, you kind of move on and, and, you know, as a, as a teenager or, or early twenties, you're probably thinking more about yourself than, than, than anything. And so I had Dr. Red then, um, allowed me to be on the, uh, search committee or not necessarily the committee, but, um, there's a group of us that were players that had, a, that had the opportunity to interview the, the uh, candidates that came through. So, um, so that was, I appreciate Coach Red, you know, giving me that opportunity to, to interview those that, that were interviewing for the, the head coaching job. Well, and, and so obviously, you know, Coach Churchma is, is the choice, you know, the, obviously the rest is history there. But, um, you know, was that one, was that a, po- a popular pick with you guys that, that also interviewed those candidates? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Coach Churchma ran the veer down at uh, Austin College, so it was okay. Well, this fits. This fits. You know, it's it's another form of the option football, and this fits what I can do. So, you know, yeah, I'm excited about Coach Churchma coming in. They had some, you know, they had some other really good candidates um, as well, and so. Uh, but I think, I think Dr. Red knew going in who he was uh, probably looking for. I think he. Uh, understood the leadership qualities of coach Churchma. Um, and, and so, you know, as you look back on it, I think coach red knew, um, the type of character that he was going to get in, in a leader in, in coach D. 
Yeah, so that that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that, that, yeah, he used to run the Veer at Austin College. So then, you know, he comes in, hires Coach Svoboda, you know, and then it's going to be a pro-style offense. What are your feelings? I mean, are are you thinking, oh, you, you know, am, am I going to have to transfer? I mean, is that is that even in your mind then? Are you are you just thinking about, okay, what do I have to do? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts when when you find out, oh, it's going to be a pro style offense? Well, I, I still had a decent arm uh, because you know, like I said, my sport point growing up was baseball, and I typically played shortstop or center field, um, so I could throw the football. But the offenses that I, you know, that I ran in, in high school and then the first couple of years in college, it was all about play action pass, right? It makes suck them in on the run and then throw it over the top uh, from a play action standpoint. So when uh, Coach Sabota comes in, that that's a it's a it's an entirely different game. So when you run the option um, as a quarterback, you're looking primarily um at where the safety is and then you're going with numbers so if the safety is on the right side you know that there's probably more numbers more defensive players on the right side so you're you're going to run to the left you're trying to run to the to the side that has the least number of uh, of defenders when you start to run the pro style and understanding um how to run a passing game now it's completely switching and you're starting to try to figure out how to read defenses. So are they in a cover three? Are they in a cover two? Are they in a cover four? Are they in a cover, are they zero, right? And so you're trying to now have to change your cues that a lot of times you're looking at corners, um, safeties, but a lot of times you're looking at corners to try to get a read to figure out, okay, well, where are they going to drop in coverage? Or are they playing man defense and it took a long time and when i say a long time it took a couple of years to learn um basically how to read those defenses and to understand where the football needs to go so not only the coverage but now you're saying okay well, where's the blitz coming from and do i have enough um is our line set up that they're going to block that extra guy or if that guy's coming off the edge, we don't have a defender to pick him up. So I've got to go to my hot read. So we spent a lot of time in the classroom with Coach Sabota, and he would run. Uh, he'd do tests with us. Even he'd sit down and and uh, draw up or say, "Okay, show me show me this coverage. Where are you going to go with the, in this formation and, and this route? Where are you going to go with the football?" And so we would, you know probably three, three of us in the, in the quarterback's room at a time. And we would be writing out those plays and, and turning them in to, to Sabota to help show that we were getting a grasp of that offense. And primarily it was myself and then Todd Ferguson. So they brought Todd in that first spring um, that Mel, that the coaching staff came in, Todd transferred in from uh, uh, university of South Dakota. And then I know, you know, you've, Everybody knows Chris, uh, Chris Grison, and Chris was best suited uh, to answer because he he ran that type of offense in, in high school and underst understood the passing game a lot better than than any of us. Um, so it's it's an entirely different game when you go from running the football to throwing it, and I think that was pretty evident when we went 0 and 11, right? 
Right. Well, I mean, what, what are before that season starts? I mean, you're going in. I mean, I, I, you know, you you end up splitting some time um, with Todd. I mean, what what were the feelings? I mean, you know, I assume you guys knew it was kind of going to be a transition year. D- did you know um, it was? I mean, did you have any inkling that ooh, it might not be a great year? Um, well, I think you go into each year wanting to compete, um, but I did remember like John Coffey uh, doing a radio uh, segment with him before the season. And he's, he was, he asked me at the time, um, so what are your goals for this year? And I, I remember at that time going, John, I really don't know. Um, and, and I think that's, that shows, that's a reflection of that 0 and 11 year. Um, you had an offensive line that were recruited in to be run blockers, right? So they're trying to figure out now how to become pass blockers which is a, which is totally different. You've got uh, a quarterback um, or quarterbacks that are trying to learn a new system that aren't, are probably holding on to the football too long, aren't getting rid of the football. You've got receivers that were recruited in that were primarily run blockers, right? And then play action pass. And so now they're having to figure out, okay, now I'm in this passing game, which they're, they're loving, but they're having to figure out how do I run this route? What, what does this nomenclature mean? Um, what happens if it's a hot route? And so, you know, it's just a, it was a recipe for disaster really. And, and if you even you go back and you look at the first two games of that year and Todd and I split time, but Todd and I split time because if Todd played one game, more than likely he was out injured the next. And then if I played the next game, the, the same thing happened. Um, we, we had 22 sacks in the first two ball games. I, there's probably some Northwest quarterbacks that don't get t- sacked 22 times in their career, right? right. But, <laughs> but then the, the first two against um, Mankato State and, and East Texas State, um, you know, there were, we had 22 sacks. And, that, and that's just kind of how that year went. Well, and obviously there were a couple of close games. Rolla and Baptist were one score games, but yeah, for the most part, it, it uh, you know wasn't wasn't a very fun uh, wasn't a very fun year for you guys. And kind of you know that zero and eleven goes goes down in infamy. But I mean, what's I mean, what's the feeling coming off of that season? I mean, was was there a sense of okay, you know, we we've taken our lumps and and you know we're gonna bounce back? Or I mean, is it is it tough to you know just get beat down like that? all season and then at the end of the year you're just you know you're just tired i mean what what was kind of your feeling and the feeling around the team after that so the change uh the change came after that season and the change came um probably in late november early december and and chris uh talked about this when when you met with him but coach t you know he had to make some tough decisions say I think we're going in a different direction and um, you know, several guys weren't a part of that, that new direction. The thing that was concerning for me was several of those guys were, were friends of mine, right? I mean, you, you develop this friendship and guys that were recruited in with coach Elliott. So a lot of the guys that were, were moving, moving out were guys that were recruited in um, by coach Elliott, which, you know, some of them were even my roommates. So everybody starts to have their, meeting with coach T at the end of the year. And as they come out, you know, phone calls are going, Hey, I'm cut. I'm, 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 I'm not coming back at semester. Next guy's calling, Hey, I'm cut. I'm not coming back at semester, you know? And, 
and my meeting with Coach Churchman isn't until like two or three in the afternoon, right? And so I remember calling my dad and going, hey, Coach Churchman's cutting all the Elliott guys and I've got a meeting with him at two. I don't know what's going to go on with our, with our meeting at two um, or three, whatever. It was later in the afternoon. So there was um, – that, that was uh, – Let's just say that was an interesting day for those of us that were uh, were recruited in by Coach Elliott. And so that was one of the first steps, right? That was Coach Churchman saying, all right, I've got to get guys in that can um, can run our system. And uh, he, he really started to focus a lot on bringing in players that then he was going to redshirt. And you came in um, – I know that you're a player, but we're going to redshirt you, Chris Grison. I know that you're a player, but we're going to we're going to we're going to redshirt you to try to give you that that extra year of of growth and maturity coming coming from high school. The other thing that they did, and I do think that at times, you know, junior college guys get kind of a bad rap. Hey, well, this guy's coming from junior college, but he brought in some real leaders um, from Blinn Junior College. And, and a couple of others, I'm, I'm, but the, the ones that in particular that um, that he brought in from Blinn, uh, Kenny Gordon and Ambrose Moreland. And Kenny Gordon uh, became, uh, you know, a real leader uh, for us. And, you know, he's he's uh, he coaches at the D2 level, coached at Northwest, um, has coached at a, a number of places. But those guys came in and had played on a championship team at the junior college level. So there were several of us that, you know, hadn't won for two, three years. And I remember having a meeting uh, early in 95 when we were headed out to go play um, South Dakota State. And Coach was was talking to us, and we were in the fine arts building, and it was like, hey, you know, we're, we're prepared. We've worked hard. We're going, you know, we need to play tough. We need to play and I remember Kenny like standing up and going, coach, I- I'm not going up there to play hard. I- I'm going up there to win. And I, I kind of, I remember that, that situation where it was like, cause we hadn't done that for three years. Right. And it was like, you know what? He- Kenny's right. We're-, we're going up there to win, not to play hard. We're going up there. Our, our goal is to win. And, and that started to turn um, kind of the mindset and started to turn again, the, the culture that, you know, that group that I played with, that's what I'm most proud about is, is setting the, the culture and the foundation that I think, you know, continues today from, from those early days. Well, and, and talk, you know, too, about, you know, how you're feeling about the offense. Obviously, you know, like you said, it, it was kind of tailored for Chris Grison. And so, you know, you're coming in. I know he he thinks, you know, he he would talk about, you know, his mindset at the time where he almost transferred. You know, his, his idea was, hey, I, sh- I should be playing. Um, you know, and, and, um, you know, so, so talk a little bit about kind of your feeling and, and, and maybe even your relationship with coach Svoboda and just kind of your comfort level with the offense, um, in in 95 compared to, compared to 94. Well, a huge step forward from 90, 94 to 95. And part of that is, um, you know, when you have competition and you have, you have somebody like Chris, uh, who an outstanding, well, I mean, heck, he played in the NFL, right? An outstanding individual, an outstanding quarterback. And so, you know, where I had to get to was 
Um, and I don't think people realize the amount of work that you put in. But, you know, it's it's getting up and throwing at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, with a couple of receivers each morning in the summer, um, you know, and then getting to work by 9, work until, you know, 5, getting off work, going in, and now you're in the weight room till 6.30, and then probably from 6.30 to 8, you're doing seven on seven um, or your, your work. So it's a, it's a seven in the morning till eight, nine o'clock at night um, work ethic that you put in uh, to, to be able to compete because that's what you have to put in to beat a Chris Grison out. Right. Um, and so th that's the other thing is coach Churchman and, and his assistants. I mean, they brought in a lot of competition and, for three years, uh, you know, Chris and myself competed against each other almost on a daily basis. So you're scripting practice, you're doing, um, it, you know, well, I was, I was 10 for 15 today. You were, you know, you were 12 for 15 and, and a lot of scripting just to say, okay, well, where, where is everybody in the weight room? Um, you know, what, what are you doing? Are you, are you faster? Are you stronger? Uh, putting in just a lot of that effort. So we had worked extremely hard to get to the point where the, uh, the 95 season started. And, and we were, we, we split time in the South Dakota state game. Uh, I played the first half, Chris played the, the second half in the South Dakota state game. And then we went up to Mankato state and, um, and things started to click. Uh, against Mankato State, and um, and I had a I had a decent day throwing the the football. I should say we had a decent day throwing the football. But from that point forward, then um, then I kind of took the reins for the next two years at, as the you know the leader on that offensive side, and um, and and that's that's kind of where we were until the end of the the '96 uh, season and against uh, University of Northern Colorado. Well, and so, yeah, that third game, September 16th, 1995, a 45-13 victory over Southwest Baptist and, um, you know, snapped a 17-game losing streak. It was, all, it was 23 months to the day, October 16th of 93 against Rolla was the last win. So that was kind of, you know, I guess that's the first step, right? You got to win that first game. Uh, you know, talk about the, the feeling, you know, at, you know, Hey, you know, you win the game, not just that convincingly, you know, you don't even have to finish the game, um, you know, which now, you know, is something at Northwest, right? Guys, you know, the starters don't always play all four quarters, but, uh, right. but, but wasn't then, but, you know, in the, in the jumping in cold and pond and just kind of run me through, you know, your memories of, of that win. And then immediately afterward. Well, I still have a, a picture of, of several, you know, Matt Udy was a defensive end. Kirk Larson uh, was another defensive end, a, a roommate of mine. Jason Melnick uh, was a receiver, myself, um, Travis Williams. But I still have a picture of, like, the, you know, five of us that were recruited in. We just happened to be together at, at, at the end of the game after being in the pond, um, you know, completely soaked in our uniforms. Um, I, I, I remember just the, 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 the pond, you know, day uh, against uh, Southwest Baptist. I probably remember the, the win against Central. Um, nothing against Southwest Baptist, but I, I tell you, beating Central Missouri is a bigger feat than beating Southwest Baptist. So we beat Baptist, and I believe it was the next week 
then we beat Central, and, and that felt more like, okay, we, we are starting to compete with the, let's say, the upper echelon of the MIAA at, at that point. Right, yeah, because yeah, Baptist and Rolla were your first two wins. Yeah, get, you know, not, okay. not not that big of a deal, right? But the central game, and that's something that that Coach T has said too. That was the first, you know, quote unquote, real game, um, you know, that you guys won, and uh, you know, you lose tough one to Truman, who you know, people my age, you know, I, I went to Northwest in '02. We don't really remember Truman ever being good. But they were, and that was, of course, the Battle of the Hickory Stick. And then a Missouri-Western game, I believe maybe you got injured in um, down down at Mo West. But then, um, you know, the games later that season, homecoming, you guys beat Missouri Southern. That was the first homecoming win since 89, by the way. So it had been several years since you guys had won, guys had won a homecoming game. You win the Don Black Award as well, which has got to be kind of a cool thing. Um, then you guys, you know, kind of keep rolling, beat Emporia, beat Washburn. And then, you know, the game that, that keeps coming up to a lot of guys, you know, as, as I talk to, uh, you know, to players and, and, and coach T and some others is, is the, the finale of that season is kind of known as kind of a turning point was that game at Pittsburgh state where you guys almost beat them, almost pulled up a spectacular upset and, uh, as kind of a, Hey, you know, we can play with anybody moment. Yeah, I think there's two games in that 95 season that really stand out. One of them is the Truman State game because they came in. We, you know, we'd won a few games and they came in and they manhandled us, physically dominated us. And so going into the offseason, we knew we had to work even harder, right, to be able to get to that, uh, level to be physical to compete against somebody like Truman State. And then Truman State, you know, they had beat us at that time, I think like 15 years in a row, right? Northwest hadn't won since the early, early 80s against Truman State. Um, and we still hadn't won in 95, but they physically manhandled us. So going in the off season, guys knew, okay, I, I don't want to be embarrassed like that. I've got to work hard. And then the you mentioned that Pittsburgh State game. That was to me, the turning point where we really then believed, hey, we can do something special here. And we were in that ball game. Um, we knew we could compete with them. I remember getting on the buses after the game and they had the radio on. And at the time, you know, Pittsburgh would have their oh, post-game, you know, radio show. And, it was, you know, they were the they were the the top of the of division two at the time and talking about them going into the playoffs, what to expect. And, you know, we left there knowing, Hey, we can compete with this. And if we can compete with Pittsburgh state, we can compete with anybody. So we go into the off season. And I remember a couple of, of people, you know, interviewing several of us that were, um, were captains saying, okay, well, what's your expectations going into next year? And, you know, we said, we're, we're going to win the conference. We, we feel like we have the, the, the tools to win the conference. And I think at first they're kind of looking at us like, okay, 0 and 11 to six and five. And now you're talking about winning the conference and going to the playoffs. But we, we really, we really did start to believe that we could, you know, compete at the conference level and get into the playoffs. I don't think at that point yet, we, we, had that that complete dream of winning the national title like they did two years ago. 
you know, you have to take those individual steps, but I know the step that we felt like we could, could, could do was to, to win the conference. And so that's, that's what we, uh, um, that's what we set out to do in 96. Well, and just on a personal note, I mean, statistically you had a great 95 season and, uh, you know, what was your confidence level, um, like and comfortability with the offense going into your, your senior year in 96? Um, a whole lot different than, than 90, 90, uh, 94. Right. Um, so now we're, now I'm understanding the offense. The game is a little bit slower, right? So that I can, I can play the game instead of the game just seeing like it's completely, uh, whirling around me. I I'm able to now, um, pick up, uh, some indicators from, from the defense to understand, okay, well, what coverage are they going to be in? The one thing about coach Sabota's offense was, similar plays but we ran them out of multiple formations and we used a lot of motion um and and so when you're running motion in the backfield that allows the quarterback and you know certainly the coaches um to get an an understanding of okay well what are they in If, if somebody is is chasing that receiver across the formation right you know that they're they're in man to man um or as how are they adjusting um as as you move somebody into a slot or jumping your tight end how are they changing their front and so starting to understand the the concepts behind um what what coach sabota was doing with his offense um and now we're at at the end of year two working with him and so you start to to pick it up and and figure out um you know what what we're trying to do well, and then, you know, you also get a, some help in the backfield by a guy of the name, I don't know, Jesse Haynes, you know, and that's no disrespect to, to Tony Kohlenberg, I think, who had been the leading rusher maybe the past two seasons. But, I mean, you know, obviously Jesse's one of the great, um, you know, running backs in Northwest history. Um, you know, what uh, you know what was that feeling when you knew, okay, he's eligible, he's playing, um, you know, I mean, that that takes some pressure off you, right? Yeah, so um, Jesse uh, was recruited in by Coach Elliott. So he came in and, and um, was one of those, you know, I talked about the running backs that, that Coach Elliott always had in the backfield, um, had had all kinds of talent. And, um, and I think both Jesse and I would tell you, we didn't hit it off. Jesse and I, um, early on when, when, when Coach Elliott was here, um, the two of us just um, we we just didn't uh, we just didn't hit it off right and so then Jesse set out for a couple of years and and he came back and asked Coach Church me said hey I'd like to play football again and Coach came to either us as captains or kind of a a steering committee of seniors uh, on the team and said hey Jesse Haynes is uh, is wanting to come back um, outstanding talent. And at the time, talent was one thing, but culture, culture trumped talent, right? And so as we, as we talked to the group, we said, you know what? We feel everybody deserves a second chance. If, if they buy into this culture and buy into what we've changed over the last couple of years, absolutely. Let's get them back and, and, uh, and let's have them a part of this. And Jesse was ready. I mean, at that point, he was ready to say, yep, I'm ready to buy into the to uh, the culture, I'm ready to buy into this, and and then, you know, he 
yeah, having Jesse Haynes in the backfield, right? Um, we went from more of a pass-first offense in 95 to a um, to a workhorse running back in Jesse Haynes and more even play-action pass um, towards the end of the season because he was taking on so much of, of the workload. But outstanding running back and an outstanding teammate. And Jesse and I, um, you know, we're – we're, we're, we're friends today, right? We're early on. It was kind of like oil and water a little bit. Well, and um, before we get kind of into that 96 season, let's talk to about, about some of the other guys on the team. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, the, the tight ends maybe almost get, get more love than the receivers. People remember uh, Steve Comer for, you know, the touchdown in the, in the Nebraska Omaha game. And, and remember a guy like Matt Becker, um, you know, who, uh, who came in and, you know, one of the few guys to play as a, as a true freshman in 94, but you had some pretty good receivers too. a Jason Melnick who led the team in receiving for several years, a, a Mark survey, a, a Wade Hanson, um, you know, just talk about that, that group of receivers that, that, I don't know, a lot of those guys, you know, uh, kind of like several, you know, from the 96 uh, season, you know, kind of get lost in, in history from 98, 99 and, and, and some of those other teams. Yeah, so Nick Angerello, Chris Zeller, um, and even, you know, Craig Evans was our uh, fullback. And, you know, he'd come out of the, the backfield from time to time to, to catch a, a swing pass. We, you know, we had a lot of guys that just were a little bit different in, in what, you know, in, in their skill set. Um, like a Jason Melnick, I knew exactly that, hey, if we're running a comeback and it needs to go 12 to 10, I know from a timing standpoint, he's going to be there. And here's where I can put the ball there because I know before he even comes out of his break, I know where he's going to be. And part of that goes back to just working all those hours in the summer. A guy like Mark Survey, who was a, I mean, a scat back. I mean, he was, he was the guy that when we would um, be in man to man and we'd run crossing patterns, um, you know, that's the guy that you want to get the ball in their hand as quick as possible because who knows where he's going to take it because he's so, so quick. And that was one thing that Coach Roos always talked about when we would run the, the option was you're not the moneymaker. Get the ball into the hands of the guys that make the money. And that was talking about really you don't keep up, keep a hold of the football when you're in the option. Pitch it to them, right? So I could take that same concept when I'm throwing the football to say, get rid of this football, get it into the guy's hands that, that could, can make a play. Wade Hanson, a lot of times would be, be going deep. Matt Becker was a guy when I talked about the, the, you know, the blitzes coming off the edge, um, 586 Y search X go. I mean, that was a, a, a route that we ran a lot, which basically means, Hey, when a, uh, when a linebacker's coming, that tight ends running a search route, which just kind of, around where the linebackers are, get him the football and, and let him make a play. So we had a, we had a lot of guys that were just, um, just hard workers. Right. And they, they worked, um, they, they worked extremely hard to, to, uh, to get to where we were. Well, and so, I mean, you kind of start off with a couple of revenge games beating South Dakota state and, and Mankato, um, you know, what, you know, the, those were two teams, obviously, that, that had, you know, beaten you the season before. What's the confidence level after after something like that? I mean, could you guys sense that, that uh, you know, this we're a different team, you know, we're better, we're playing with more confidence? I mean, did that give you a lot of confidence, a confidence I guess, going into the conference season? 
Um, absolutely. So South Dakota State comes in, and our defense, um, our defense was really good uh, that that year as well. And they absolutely destroyed both South Dakota State and Mankato State. Mankato State, some of the most arrogant uh, coaches uh, that that were around. We beat South Dakota State. They come down and um, getting ready to play us and. You know, they had beat us. We, we played Mankato State for many, many years in a row at, at one of the first two games, and they pretty much kind of destroyed us um, the, the previous years. So, like, before the game, they were, you know, they were having conversations with our coaches of, like, man, South Dakota State must – you guys played really well, but they must really be down this year, right? That's the that's the thought they had coming into that game. And, and again, our defense just absolutely – destroyed them and so now we're going into the conference season with 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 a lot of confidence and i think it was i think we kicked off the season with um with baptist i believe Mm -hmm. yeah baptist and rollo which you'd beat the season before i think you guys were probably you know regardless supposed to beat them but then you know probably a couple of big games early you go to central handle them pretty easily and then the same thing with truman right who would kind of beat you guys beat the snot out of you the season before you guys go and go to Kirksville and beat them by 30. I mean, that's, that had to be two big wins there, especially on the road, but against, you know, two, you know, upper, upper echelon MIAA teams at the time. And we get the hickory stick, right. That we hadn't, I, I can't remember how Yeah, 11, years, you'd lost thinking. 11 in a row. Okay. In it, stick, it, it's yeah. been a long, long time. And so being able to, to paint that and get the hickory stick back from, a practice um you know that that was a big deal well and you guys beat missouri western homecoming which i'm a, I'm a stats guy right i like to go back and look at look at all this stuff so so you'd won the homecoming game in 95 for the first time you know in six years well then so you won it again in 96 that was the first back-to-back year homecoming wins since 84 85 so it had it'd been a long time since you'd won two you know back-to-back years of winning homecoming games and one game that I'll be honest, you know, it's it's kind of difficult to, uh, and, you know, I went to Northwest earlier this spring, kind of dug through some records looking for um, looking for box scores and, and stuff like that. And, and the website will go back with with scores. But but the game against Southern where you guys won 35-34, any, you know, any special memories or, or anything from from that? I mean, that ended up being, you know, you're, you know, tied with UNO closest uh, closest win of the season one point. Yeah, uh, Southern was really good, and um, went down there. It was a Saturday night, Saturday night game, uh, and a couple of things that I, that I seem to recall was offensively we played really well the first half, and then but I think both teams were scoring, and then and then it felt like then the defense took over in the second half, if I've got that right. Um, but then the big play was at the end of the game. And we ran a tight end throwback. So uh, uh, Becker was lined up on the on the right side, um, roll to my right, right, and and then you kind of sneak that tight end through the linebackers and and off into the left side of the of the corner of the of the end zone and kind of just you know you th- you throw it back. It's one of those where the tight end is so wide open that you're like, please catch it because it's one of those where nobody's around you and and then that that put us ahead to win that that game. And really put us in position to be, you know, conference champs at that time because Pittsburgh had lost um, 
to Missouri Western at some point. So now we've got a, a game up on on Pitt. We haven't played them yet, but we've got a game up on Pitt um, as we continue to to work towards the end of the season. Well, yeah, you you guys beat Emporia, you beat Washburn, you're ten and zero. Um, you know, number two in the country. Pittsburgh coming to uh, you know Pitt coming to Northwest. And, uh, you know, obviously we all know the story, right, of the dud and the mud of the, you know, 40, 40 to nothing. And, and just, you know, I, I've not seen that game, but I have seen clips of that game of the field. And it was it was uh, pretty nasty. I mean, you guys had to be as high as you could have been from from two years before being 0 and 11. Now you're you're one win away from being 11 and 0 in a perfect regular season. Um you know, obviously, what could have went wrong did go wrong, but uh, I mean, you had to have been feeling pretty pretty good going into that game. Going in, uh, we felt good. Yeah, we we felt like yeah, we we felt like we we uh, were certainly gonna not gonna be forty to nothing. You know, they put down a new um, new sod uh, right before the season started, and we really didn't have too much trouble throughout the year, but there was just so much rain that the sod uh, just was kind of rolling up in chunks um, in that game. And so, you know, we just had, you know, I remember throwing a pass to Jesse um, out on the, on the sidelines, you know, it was close. It, you know, it was, uh, it was incomplete, uh, quote unquote incomplete, but uh, it, the pass had gone backwards. So it basically stops there in the mud. We kind of, we stopped playing their guy scoops it up and scores a touchdown. Right. And, um, I had another one where I scrambled, picked up a first down. Um, as I was going down, I feel like I was down, but the ball came out late after I was down. Um, we stopped playing. They picked it up and ran it again for uh, uh, ran it in for a, a touchdown. So it was just one of those like it was just a snowball game that when everything seemed to kind of go wrong, uh, did go wrong that, that that day. But now, even though we lose and we're ten and one, we're still tied for the conference and now we have an opportunity to be in the playoffs so i feel i feel today that we even were like let's move on right let's move on who's our next opponent let's start preparing for them and that's when we had the the uno uh playoff game the the next week up in omaha well and that would be the last conference loss until uh 2001 (laughs) so so that's that's kind of amazing you know running the table in uh, 97, 98, 99, and, and 2000, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of amazing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough to pick yourself up. You gotta, you, uh, in, in, if correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the next week should have been a home game, right? But obviously it couldn't be because the field was so bad. Is that right? UNO should have had to come to Maryville. Yeah, that's my understanding was the field was bad. So we, we, we needed to go on the road, which is probably, um, which is probably a good thing because you can get away. You're in a hotel together. You're, you're working together. Um, the full time, right. When you're, when you're, when you're on the road. And then uh, uh, my understanding was if we would have beat um, Northern Colorado, that then we, we could have hosted at home because they felt like the field was probably back to a level that we could, we, we could have played at that time. Well, and, and uh, 
so that Nebraska Omaha games on YouTube. If folks want to check out the Bearcat uh, TD uh, YouTube channel, and there's lots of games and stuff like that, that that one's on there. The the original broadcast, and and you know I, I've heard Jesse talk about it. I've heard other guys talk about it too. Just the just the conditions and having to go get you know get special footwear for for the skill positions, and and even that. I mean, man, that was uh, the the conditions were just just t- tough, a slippery, icy field yeah it was brutally cold and the field conditions because you know it's not like the field turf that you have today which is more like a you know a grass the the turf back then was a little bit more like indoor outdoor carpeting theirs was better than southern's but not it's not to the level it is today and as the game went on it was misty it was you know rainy misty and so now that field is um you know, becoming pretty much kind of a sheet of ice towards uh, the end of the fourth quarter. And, and you're right. We, when we got up there, our, our coaches, you know, got a hold of the university of Nebraska and went and ended up getting a bunch of their practice cleats. And I remember them dumping them in the middle of a room and, 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 you know, having guys scavenge through the, the, uh, the, the cleats to figure out what shoe they were going to wear the next day. So that's, that's where we were at back then trying to get practice shoes from the university of Nebraska to play. <laughs> right. Right. That's wild. I had not heard that story. That's crazy. Um, when the game starts out great for you guys, um, you know, in the fourth play of the game, Jesse Haynes breaks off a 69 yard touchdown run. They, um, they fumble the kickoff, they recover it. And then their first offensive play, UNO fumbles again, you guys recover it. And, and Steve Comer had the ball in his hands in the end zone, that would have put you guys up 14, nothing. The defender makes a good play on the ball and, and strips it out. So incomplete, get a field goal. Um, so you're up 10, nothing four minutes into the game. I mean, man, that, you know, it didn't start out, you know, I don't think you could have scripted it to start out a whole lot better than that. Yeah, we, uh, we had a really fast start. Uh, I remember coach T we had the, again, that leadership group that would meet with them on Mondays after, after games and just talking about, okay, well, what, you know, what happened, what, what, cause it's just that momentum swing uh, during games like that. Right. And so w- where did we lose that, that edge when we were up 10 to nothing? Um, because it just happened so quick. It almost seemed too, too easy. Right. Compared to some of the, you know, the games that we had towards the end of the season. Um, and then, you know, UNO was a really good football team and um, they started to, to correct their game plan and, and, uh, and then that's when it went back and forth yeah, uh, until the very end. Right. Right. Well, and exactly, you know, they, they score, um, you know, late, late in the second quarter to go up 14 to 10. Um, and then, uh, you know, well, even before that, when it's 10, nothing, they drive down the field, miss a field goal and think things are looking good, but there's some, some penalties. It looked like a really chippy game from the broadcast. UNO had several personal fouls. I think maybe even you guys had a little bit. Was there, it, it looked like even before kickoff, was there a lot of trash talk between the two, between the two teams before? Yeah. I, I, yeah, uh, there's, there's always uh, a fair amount of that, but you know, when, when you've got a lot of guys that also on Northwest that were from the Omaha area, and this is really kind of one of their first times that they're able to, you know, kind of play against, uh, against that group. Um, but yeah, it's, I would say that most of those games against UNO, even later on were, um, 
just had a different feel to it, right? Kind of more of like a rivalry feel, even though we hadn't played them. Well, and I always feel like UNO was kind of, you know, if we're talking about non-conference teams that were sort of rival, even later on to the years, you know, in the last, you know, 15 years or so um, before they canceled their football program. I mean, it seemed like, you know, if we we're going to lose a game early in the season, you know, it was maybe UNO or there was lots of, you know, there was lots of good games and stuff. So it always seemed, and you're right, you know, if you even go off of the football team, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of my friends in college and, and stuff and people I lived with in the dorms. Yeah. It was Maryville was like Omaha South. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it kind of felt yeah. like. Absolutely. But, uh, but then, you know, so, so it's 14, 10 at halftime. You were over seven passing in the first half. Um, not great. I think <laughs> conditions, you know, were, were not great um, for, for passing, which you saw only 10 completed passes, I think in the whole game. Um, and then, you know, they come out, get the ball first, go down and score in the second half, 21 to 10. And, and I'll be honest, you know, it's, it's, it's watching as I was going back and watching this game, I'd never watched it before purposefully. I'd kind of waited until, until, uh, you know, I was going to do a, a special episode to look back at it. And, and I was drawing comparisons, kind of that 99, um, you know, championship game where, you know, obviously, you know, going back and watching it with hindsight, you know, Northwest, you know, the Bearcats come back and win, but it just seemed like, you know, if, as you're watching the game, man, the momentum swing, you know, you guys are down 21, 10 and, uh, you know, the, the drive that you guys answered and go down and, and, and scored a touchdown, I believe there was a couple of penalties that kind of kept it alive. And, uh, you completed your first two passes of the game on that drive one the, the second to Steve Comer for a touchdown. And that kind of, like, okay, you know, and it, it's funny how you can just feel, you know, momentum isn't a tangible thing, but you can definitely, you know, see it and feel it um, j just from from watching that game. And uh, there there were so many almost plays, too, um, that, that I have to mention. There, there, was a, there was a couple of plays. I think that right before half, Charlie Pugh had a long kickoff return, and uh, their kicker trips him up. I think even hurt, he got hurt and maybe knocked out of the game on that play. Um, if that doesn't happen right, you guys maybe take the lead right before halftime from that kickoff. Yeah. Um, Jesse, after it was 21-16, um, you know, Jesse gets his fourth and in inches. He gets, you know, a yard to get the first down. Didn't really get stopped. He's on top of the pile, spins off, and – and. Uh, um, the whistle gets blown in the midst of all of it. He would have had a long touchdown run there, which is a drive you guys don't end up scoring on. Um, so there's another what if a just miss. Um, and then UNO, one of their running backs, had a long run. Guys all alone in the open field, and he uh, just drops the ball. And, and they end up not scoring on that drive. I think that was when it was 21-16 too. So it's so, I mean, it's just so crazy. And all these improbable things, you guys were four or five, um, you know, for, for fourth down in the game, didn't have turnovers. UNO had a couple and, and the, and the biggest one was Twan Young's interception, which they're throwing the ball in their own territory with a couple of minutes left. It sets you guys up at the 41 yard line. I mean, in, in, you mentioned, we were talking before, um, and you mentioned, you know, kind of in that, uh, in that 99 game, when the Carson Newman running back steps out of bounds and stops the clock, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of reminiscent of that. It was almost like one of those type of plays. Yeah. You give, you know, you can't give a team that extra opportunity. And, and that's what I don't, I have no idea why they were throwing it uh, quite, but 
Twan made the interception, gave us the the time, uh, you know, to to make that that drive at the end. And and I did have there was like a scramble or something that I that I had on that drive too. And I think we had a clip or something that that then brought us back. Yeah, you had like a forty yard touchdown. Great run, great scramble, and uh, yeah, and it gets called back. Yeah, because of because of a penalty. And so we just you know you just uh, we had a lot of those, but we had the mindset at that time of. Like, you know, we're going to compete till the very end. And, and I think that's, if you, that's, I think Coach T would even tell you, you know, that game was so big to the culture of Northwest. And, and hey, we've done this before. Like, okay, once we did it at UNO, you can go back and say, okay, we've done this before. And then what's that next game that Northwest comes through at the end and wins? Okay, we've done this before. And I think if you look at the, you know, the last 25, 26 years, there's many teams that, that felt like they were going to beat Northwest. Sure. But Northwest has always had that, but we've done this before. We're going to come through and win at the end where a lot of these other teams haven't had that experience. Right. And so I think that UNO game was huge to, um, to the uh, success of the program, certainly in that the next four or five years. Um, but I think it's just kind of carried on for it's unbelievable that it's been 25, 26 years of, of this success of that program. Well, yeah. And I mean, the, you know, there's a fourth and 10 play, you know, we're not even to the Jesse Haynes touchdown. Yet. There's a fourth yeah. and 10 play. You complete it to Chris Zeller Chris for like Zeller. 11 yards, yeah. just barely. Um, and he hangs on. And then, um, then the third down play. You slip, go down. Of course, in college, you're down. So, you know, with less than 40 seconds left, you know, the clock's running. It's fourth and goal from the 17. You know, you've got one last, one last play. And, uh, and Jesse, you know, you, you'd completed three passes up to that point in the game. Um, and, and, but nobody remembers any of those. They remember the one, um, you know, to Jesse and he tips the ball to himself. It just kind of run me through that play and just the, the feeling and, and, and that moment. So um, going into that play, like you said, the play before um, I slip, fall, fall flat on my face. I think my face mask hits first, right? Because it's just an icy, uh, icy field at that time. So if you go back and kind of look, uh, we were running a snake route, um, which we were running it most of the time with the tight end. So the tight end, you know, going out to the to the sideline and then and then, and then up up the sideline. That was. A similar play that uh, hit Comer on with a with a touchdown. A similar play that you mentioned, like earlier in the game, <clears throat> that the defender made a play. We were running that snake route quite a bit against the defense that they they were running against us. So play call comes in. Now the snake route is going to uh, Jesse, right? And Jesse Jesse ran the ball, but we we probably he probably didn't catch too many. I mean, if you go back and look at the stats, he probably didn't have too many receiving yards through the year. He wasn't one of our main targets throwing the football, but now the play clock's behind me. So the only, the only clock I have in, in front of me is, is the, uh, is like the, you know, the, the 30 second clock or the, the, uh, but the, the game clock is behind me on the board. So actually I don't see the, the time completely, completely going down. I know that we're, we're running out of time, but I, you know, I turned to Jesse and I'm like, all right, Jesse, this thing's coming to you. And, um, and so, but then I'm running through the cadence because when I would break huddle, it'd be like, okay, it's going to be on one or it's going to be on color. 
or it's, you know, it's going to be on two. And so I'm running through the, uh, the cadence because I can't remember <laughs> what I had called, uh, called the snap count on. And so finally, Coppinger gets me the, the football. Jesse runs that snake route. Um, I think we were, I, I don't think that we were lined up correctly. I think um, if you see, maybe Melnick was, was out there. So we had two guys kind of in the same area. Um, but Jesse tips that ball back and, and falls into the end zone. No time left on the clock. And, and uh, yeah, what a, what a great feeling that is to move on to the next week, right? Right, yeah, which ended up being another classic game, except you guys are just kind of on the wrong, the wrong end of it um, against Northern Colorado. One other thing about Jesse, too, in this game, by the way, is, is 232 yards. That's his career high. I mean, he saves it for, you know, it's, it's still a top 10 rushing performance in school history. And, uh, you know, a, a guy by the name of Xavier Oman who would come along and, and break Jesse's records also would have his best rushing performances in the playoffs as well. So anyway, that was just kind of neat, right? That, that it was, uh, you know, that it was just such a, um, you know, you know, big players come up at, at big times and, and, uh, you know, just kind of amazing. And I mean, you know, what, what's the feeling? I mean, you guys, you know, especially to win it like that. I mean, you got to be on cloud nine going into this game against Northern Colorado. Oh yeah. And, um, and now you are, you know, at a D2 level, now we are flying to Denver, right? So we get to fly out to Denver and then take a bus. I, I, we stayed in, I think, I think we stayed in Fort Collins, uh, and then played in Greeley, but you know, you get to fly out a, a couple of, uh, a night, you know, out there in the, in the hotel. Um, and the day before we practiced at, at Northern Colorado, I mean, it was beautiful weather. Um, and, and it got a little bit chilly. It certainly wasn't the UNO game. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a colder, brisk day, um, in, in Greeley. And, you know, they were, they were an up and coming program too. Um, and we had, you know, we had an assistant, a grad assistant at the time, Ernest Collins, um, who was a, uh, a Northern Colorado grad and, you know, Ernest left Northwest and went to KU. And then, you know, he took over the, the Northern Colorado program as a coach there for, for uh, several years, but, you know, he would, he would give us a little bit of insight. Certainly he wanted to be, um, his alma mater. Uh, but Ernest was a, he was our defensive back coach. He was a, he was a good, good guy. Well, and, and obviously, you know, it's a, kind of a back and forth game and, and it comes down to the, you know, to the, to the very end. And, but, but besides that, I mean, um, you know, there's, there's a, a play that of course you get injured and, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's known as kind of a, a quote unquote passing of the torch game, I guess, from, from you, uh, to Chris, but I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a tough, you know, that's, that's tough, right? That's a tough way to go out when you, when you can't finish the game. And it's such a, um, you know, such a hard, hard fought game like that. Yeah. It was right at the end of the first half and I was running to the left and reached for the pylon. And, uh, as I was stretched out, then, you know, just a, a defender came down on, on my back, but separated my shoulder. So, played the end of the first half and then the, the first series, I think it was just the first series of the second half. And I really, I couldn't do anything with my left arm. And so it was like, how am I supposed to pitch to the left? How am I? So 
you're, you're going to hurt your team if you're trying to, to, to tough it out. And I knew, you know, I knew once that I got hurt or once that I, uh, I relinquished, <laughs> I got off the field that, uh, that Chris would take it and he was going to run with it. So it, it absolutely, as I was coming off the field and told coach Churchma, I, Hey, I'm done. I knew at that point, Hey, I'm, I'm handing, I'm handing this football team over to Chris and, you know, and then he took it for the next, uh, for, you know, and we almost, we almost won that game. Um, but Chris then took it from there and, and won that first national title in 98 and was a tremendous leader for the, for the program. Well, yeah, he has a play. I think it's with under two minutes left where it's a quarterback sneak and he gets into the end zone and he, and he told the story here on, on bleeding green, but, um, you know, but the whistle blows false start having to, you know, end up not converting, kicking a field goal and just going up by five. And then, yeah, they score with 12 seconds left. And, uh, and, and that's pretty much it. A, a heartbreaker, a equally exhilarating game for them as you guys had the week before, except for, you know, it's, a, it's of course at your guys' expense. One of the things too, um, Greg, that I wanted to talk about was, was your relationship with Chris? Because I mean, he, he, um, you know, he says, Hey, you know, I, you know, I, I thought I should have been the starting quarterback, but, but, uh, Greg wouldn't let me beat him out. You know, what's, and obviously, you know, when you're in a position battle like that, right, you're, you're in the, you're in the quarterback room, you're watching film, you're doing all these things together. And so it's a brotherhood, but you're also kind of competing, you know, competing against your brother. I mean, you know, what was that like just during your time? And I mean, did you feel any extra pressure since you were from Maryville? Um, I don't know that I felt extra pressure being, uh, from Maryville, the, the pressure was more of just trying to, to win. And, and I guess, yes, probably extra pressure because I wanted the university to, I wanted the program to be, you know, to be good, to be, um, to be what it is today. Right. I, well, I'd have no idea back then that it was going to be the, the type of program it is, but, you know, I wanted it to be respectable. I wanted it to be um, a really good program, but talking about Chris. So as a college athlete, you bring in these recruits, right? You bring them in like in January and February. And there's always, you are always a host. If you are a, an existing player, you're a host and your job is to try to help recruit and make the, the program stronger. So I actually was uh, Chris's um, host when he came on his, his visit. The interesting thing is, is you don't realize it until then they show up and you're like, oh man, I just recruited in a guy that may take my spot. Right. <laughs> and so, um, Chris, like Chris and I again, competed against each other almost every day for three years. And when I say every day, because that was in the weight room, you know, that was, um, working out in the summers. That was certainly during the, the, the season, you know, where we're, where we're at practice competing against each other. Um, I just knew that I had to work so hard because I had a talent in Chris Grison that I was competing with. And without Chris being there, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to play at the level that I did because I had to work so much harder. Right. And, and to that credit, Chris and I have a, a, a really good relationship, right? It's one thing when you're competing against each other and you can think, well, maybe these guys can't stand each other. That's not the case. You know, I had one of my sons, Rylan, um, Chris, has, you know, the last 
year or so had been Ryland plays quarterback or played quarterback at, at the high school level. And, and I was like, I need to get somebody to work with them. And, and so, you know, I reach out to Chris and say, man, I don't know of anybody better to, to work with him and teach him, you know, how to play this game. So uh, Chris would work with them on, on uh, some weekends and, and, you know, that's just kind of the, the respect and, and, you know, the friendship that, that the two of us have. Yeah, that that's pretty awesome. Well, um, so so let's kind of get caught up with you now, Greg. So so what what are you uh, what are you up to now? So after Northwest, I went to pharmacy school uh, at Creighton um, in Omaha, and now what what I do is I'm my my title is vice president of pharmacy services for St. Luke's Health System. So what that means is I'm over um, all the the pharmacies um, and all the medication management for for St. Luke's Health System uh, in the Kansas city, um, area. Well, and what's, uh, talk, talk about, uh, you know, your, your family and, and, and your, what your kids are up to. Yeah, absolutely. I should have started there. Um, so my wife, Jill and I, we met at, at Northwest, um, we'll be married 25 years this summer. Uh, but we have four, uh, four boys, our oldest, um, Reese, uh, just uh, graduated from high school last year and he's a, a firefighter, EMT with, uh, in Belton, Missouri. Um, then we have, a our junior Ryland, um, Ryland, um, does a lot of, uh, he, he plays on the, on the basketball team, has played on, on the football team, uh, very active in a lot of things in school. We have an eighth grader, uh, Reed. So Reed will be a freshman next year, but, uh, Reed's doing a lot of track. He's a, he loves playing lacrosse. Um, so he's a big lacrosse player. Um, and then our youngest, is Rowan and he's a sixth grader. Um, and Rowan just likes to, he plays baseball, lacrosse, flag football, basketball. He just kind of, um, likes to do it all just like, uh, you know, most, most kids do. Awesome. Well, well, and what, I mean, what does Northwest mean to you and, and, you know, how closely do you still, uh, you know, follow things in Maryville? Well, my parents and, and my brother and his family are, are, are still in Maryville and, um, we're, we're big supporters of, of Northwest. We try to get back as, as much as we can, uh, with the boys being so involved in, in activities, um, at the high school level, or just, you know, all the activities they've done over the last few years, it's, it makes it tough to get back. But this last year, um, I was able to get back for a couple of, of home games. Um, and, you know, just staying in contact, certainly the, the golf tournament in the summer, uh, but staying in contact with, you know, a lot of my friends from, from college, um, you know, uh, Jeff Wheeler, I play golf with him, uh, Kirk Larson, um, you know, guys like that. I stay in contact with, with, uh, Coppinger and AD and, and, um, and, and you know, just several of those guys that, that we have, uh, Travis Williams, uh, was the guy that played offensive line and then D tackle. He's a highway patrolman. Um, but you know, the, the guys that you typically come in with in your recruiting class, um, just like you do as, as a freshman coming in, right? Those, those are the ones that you typically have lifelong friendships with. And that's the group that, that I, um, typically stay in contact with. All right. Awesome. Well, well, I won't take up too much more of your time here. I do have one last thing is something I, I like to call the pick six. It's just kind of six fun, quick questions here at the end and uh, n- nothing too high stress or anything. Are you, uh, um, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. First question. Do you, uh, in, in your playing days, did you have any, 
um, you know, pregame rituals or super in- superstitions, something that you you had to do uh, before uh, before every game? Um, not so much. Um, not like Jason Melnick, who always had to to spat himself up <laughs> before games. Um, no, I I didn't have too many. I, I don't remember having too many rituals before the game. Who who was the best player? Um, or, or maybe we'll say best athlete, the most athletic guy, um, that you played with. Well, the most athletic guy that, but he was a red shirt was Alan Buckwalter. Um, that guy, when he came in as a, as a red shirt freshman, I mean, he was, um, he could run, he could jump. Um, but yeah, he was, he was an outstanding athlete. Yeah, his name has come up several times. Um, who's the best player that you ever played against? Um, the uh, the D end for um, for Missouri Southern, and his name's escaping me right now. But he was the player of the year, defensive player of the year, two times. Played for the Detroit Lions. Um, he was good, and then uh, Pitt State had some uh, some safeties that would absolutely light you up if you uh if i led the receiver in the wrong direction <laughs> well sidebar too I, I noticed in that uh running that speed option in the in the uno game there was uh there were several big hits uh thrown on you and on uno's quarterback of both but uh there there was some uh where you just held it to the last minute and then pitched it to jesse and yeah, it looked like you took uh, took several several hits, but I guess you know being an option uh, quarterback as a background, that's probably something you're used to. Yeah, Kirk Larson, who was the best man at our wedding and defensive end, he we were talking a couple weeks ago, and he said, "Hey, I watched that UNO game for the first time. You know, it's been 25 years, right?" And he's like, "Man, you took some hits that day, and so uh, I need to go back and and watch it." Or show my show my boys. Maybe right. Yeah. Say, hey guys, toughen up. <laughs> <laughs> get some get some bonus points with the kids. We can as dads, we right. can use as many of those as possible. <laughs> uh all right. Question four of the pick six. What was the team that you loved to beat more than anybody else? Uh Missouri Western. <laughs> uh always and I, I only I think I we only won once against Missouri Western when I was uh when I was in in school, uh, I can't remember when I if I was a red shirt if we beat them that year. We might have beat them that year when I was a freshman. I can't remember, but it's always good to beat uh, Mo West. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's kind of what I was hoping you'd say. Um, <laughs> question five: What's your favorite Coach T story? I know you've probably got some good ones. Yeah, going back to um, to ninety five and. As captains, we would we would go out of the locker room um, ahead of the, the rest of the team. So we would go out to do the coin flip, and then the, and then the team would come out later. But as we're kind of walking out to go do the coin flip, man, the 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 area that we were lockering in in the end zone it just like erupted. And Coach T doesn't swear. I mean, he just he just doesn't. That's just that's just the kind of person he is. And, and so we're like, what is going on? And, you know, before the game, I think some of their staff, their staff being uh, Truman state staff was kind of 
again, a little bit arrogant. Hey, yeah, we know you're undefeated, but same same Northwest that we've dealt with for, for many years. And so as Coach T was doing his, his pregame um, his pregame talk, I think he's like, hey, you know, let's go kick their their tail um, using some other other words. And and I think the group was like, wait a minute, did he just did he just use a, a swear word, a, a kind of a medium swear word? <laughs> so it's just kind of the whole group exploded, and uh, and we went out and did that. So uh, um, so that that's one of them that I I remember with Coach T. Well, and, you know, if we, if we last question here of the pick six, Greg, and, and, uh, you know, I think there was something around 19 school records that you owned when you left, of course, you know, you're, you're, you're in the top 10 of, of just about everything, um, that you were, but a lot of those have, have fallen, but what, what, you know, and a lot of things, you know, MIAA, you know, uh, conference co-champs in 96 first playoff win a lot of things. And I think I know where you're going to go with this. Cause you kind of did already answer it, but what, what are you most proud of from your time at Northwest? Um, the, the culture and what we developed as a, as a program, the guys that, um, that were a part of those teams and in 95 can't go on, you know, that, that team helped to start setting that culture, right? That six and five group, a lot of those guys weren't able to have the, um, you know, what, what we received in 96 by going to the playoffs, but that group, you know, helped change the, the direction uh, of the program. And, um, you know, and I've had, you know, I had the opportunity to, to go in, um, you know, to the Hall of Fame as a team and then as an individual. But uh, when I was talking about it as an individual, I basically said, you know, it's, it's not about records. It's not about the, the play. For me, this recognition is more about the guys I played with and really just recognizing how we changed the culture of, of Northwest football. And, and that culture, you know, has stayed and has, has continued on. So that's absolutely the most thing that, you know, that's what I'm most proud about. The only other, I think I might have one record left and that's most interceptions in a career. So I think I still <laughs> hold that one. And I, but I use it as a teaching moment. And I tell, you know, even my boys of saying, it's okay to make mistakes you just have to learn from them. So I had a lot of those interceptions in that 0 and 11 year, but I learned from it. I got better, you know, and then you, you have all these, the other records that our group set, you know, those aren't just, those aren't mine. Those are, Hey, I threw the ball to somebody and they scored, or I threw the ball to somebody and they picked up yards. Um, but it's, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, as long as you can learn from it. That's some good advice. Well, well, I sure appreciate you, Greg. Thanks so much for uh, for taking some time and and coming on the podcast here, and and uh, really appreciate you. And who knows, maybe we'll do it again uh, down the road sometime. Matt, thanks. I, I've really it's it's been uh, it's been a fun sitting down and 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 talking with you. So thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Thank you to a couple of people. Of course, my son Eli, who uh, joins me here 
on the podcast and uh we wanted to work him in and he he, he uh, was pretty excited to come on and and yeah give me a hard time that's that's really what his job description is when it comes to this uh <laughs> this podcast make predictions and give his dad a hard time so it'll be more of eli coming this fall as as long as you know what as long as he wants to spend time with his old man i'm i'll sign off on that that's that's okay with me and a big thank you by the way to greg teal he had such an interesting perspective on things despite being you know the um you know the the og bearcat quarterback as far as we know our bearcats of today right where you know went to more uh more of a passing attack and for you know, quarterbacks are going to throw the ball like they have in so many great quarterbacks. He's one that, you know, his name gets left off those lists, but I don't know that there's a bigger pass in Bearcat football history that wasn't in a national championship game. Um, there's some others that, that are in that discussion, but, uh, you know, that, that one in 96 is, is pretty special to Jesse Haynes. He only completed four in the game. That was, that was kind of an amazing thing. And you know me, I'm always looking for nuggets like that. I always love that trivia type stuff and uh, by the way if you haven't watched that game it's on youtube go find it watch it uh, one of the professors at northwest has a great youtube channel bearcat td like touchdown just bearcat and then the letters t and d one you just need to subscribe to the channel but two it's got a lot of great games i'll make sure i, sh I uh, share that game and share that link at some point as well it's one that if you haven't gone back and watched it you definitely need to. It's, uh, I'll be honest, I had never watched that game and I purposefully didn't until I was prepping for, uh, for this particular podcast. So, um, yeah, it's d definitely one worth going and checking out. It, it's, it mirrors and, and listen, I know Greg and I already talked about this, but it, it so closely mirrors that 99 championship game where you think, Hmm, there's no way. There's no way they get the ball back, and there's no way they're going to make this happen and come back and win the game. It's it's kind of eerie. I was I didn't honestly know that much about the game. I wasn't expecting that. That was the thing that kind of struck me. So anyway, go check it out. At least watch the last five to ten minutes of the game. But I think you should probably watch the whole thing and some great kind of names and and guys in uh, you know in Bearcat football history and, and kind of the infancy of uh, the the Mel Churchma. Bearcats. Speaking of, I, I feel like this episode goes great with the, with the most recent one with Coach T and myself. And, uh, you know, we kind of talk about the early days and early years of his tenure at Northwest. And so if you haven't listened to that one yet, go listen to it. And, and it's a great time this summer when there's not a lot of stuff going on as far as current Bearcat football um, content and really things to talk about that you uh, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to some of these episodes. I know there's some two-parters and things like that. And uh, go back and, and check them out. And do me another favor. Spread the word about this podcast. If you know somebody, a Bearcat fan, who you think would enjoy it, tell them about it. Share it with them. Share it wherever you can. You know, drop it a like. Give it a give it a five-star review or whatever. You know, make sure you subscribe and click the little notification bell wherever you listen to this podcast at, whatever avenue or app um, that you use. All those things help help this podcast grow. Quite honestly, we're coming up on the one year anniversary, and and uh, I honestly, I'm absolutely thrilled with with what Bleeding Green has become. I had no idea. I had an idea. I had uh, you know an episode, and it kind of started from there. I don't know. I might might do a little something special here in early July as we get around the uh, the one year 
um, the one year anniversary of this thing. Other upcoming things is the end of July, early August, I think it was July 27th last year was MIAA Media Day. I uh, am, am planning on being there and, and having some special content and things for you here on the podcast. So definitely stay tuned for that. And the next couple of episodes, uh, my next couple of guests, I should say, here on Bleeding Green will be defensive players. Not just that, but national championship winning defensive players. That's as much as a hint as you're going to get. So if you want to find out the latest, when, when the podcasts are going to drop, all that sort of thing, follow it on, on social media. My personal Twitter is at FroDaddy84. The Facebook group is Bleeding Green Podcast. You can go to bleedinggreenpodcast.com. There's all kinds of different ways you can you can follow this thing and, and keep up to date. And, uh, and I just appreciate you being a part of this thing. That's going to do it for another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. And as always... Go Bearcats! Go!